Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Really, the attitude should always be, how can I help? When you drive content around that, then it becomes beyond price because you can give a fair market price for something that may be slightly more expensive or something. But if you provide a unique service along with that, that is always going to be a huge help. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and actions shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. My, how time flies, solar warriors, as we've nearly put 50 episodes out into the world. This is episode 48 of Suncast. I'm your host, Nico Johnson. And I'm so glad that you're back with me again this week. Before we get into this week's episode, which is an amazing episode with Tor Valenza, I'd like to start with two current event topics we are all acutely aware of. I'd like to first express my deepest sympathies for all those who have found themselves in harm's way during the recent onslaught of natural disasters befalling the southern half of North America and the Caribbean. From Hurricanes Harvey... Irma and Maria, to the earthquake in Mexico, it's been a tragic month of loss and setback. There is much rebuilding to be done, and many who have been left homeless in the wake of these disasters, but I am encouraged that they have not been left hopeless. My faith in humanity has in large part been restored this week, watching the amazing strength and solidarity shown by our friends, neighbors, and family down in Mexico, who, despite the daunting nature and destruction they have not wavered in supporting each other as a community. It is not the only beacon of hope in this time of distress, but it is a very good one that we should all acknowledge and strive to emulate. We grieve with you in Mexico, in Puerto Rico, in the Dominican Republic, in Barbuda, and so many other places recovering from these disasters. And sadly, as this episode is going out the same day as our U.S. ITC has the scheduled hearing on the pending trade case, I've held off to see if anything worth celebrating might come. So this is from Green Tech Media, very recently published. The threat of solar tariffs moved one step closer to reality today when U.S. Trade Commissioners unanimously agreed that imported solar equipment has caused, quote, serious injury to domestic manufacturers. The vote handed a victory to Suniva and SolarWorld, which filed a rare petition under Section 201 of the 1974 Trade Act arguing that cheap solar imports have made it impossible for them to compete. With the injury finding confirmed, the ITC, or International Trade Commission, will hold a hearing on October 3rd in D.C. to consider possible trade remedies. The ultimate decision will be left up to President Trump, who has reportedly been pushing for more tariffs on imported goods. Now, many of us agree that this is a setback for the industry, and I'll be trying to do my part to separate the wheat from the chaff, both with guests here on Suncast, as well as in my articles on LinkedIn and other places regarding the implications, strategy, and outlook for us all moving through 2017 into a now quite uncertain 2018, at least for the U.S. solar market. For those of us in Latin America, what will this mean? I expect it will likely be a positive on the whole, if if anything at all, as developers and investors turn their focus to markets less encumbered by these types of trade barriers. Well, today we'll be spending time with a friend who's no stranger to the media and spotlight surrounding solar, and who has been a major voice advocating for the solar industry's maturity, both as a resource and as a marketing community, vying for people's attention in a very crowded space. Tor Valenza, also known as Solar Fred, is a strategy advisor and communications consultant for a number of well-known companies, and he regularly shares his insights, thoughts, and recommendations with us through social media and online publications. So I thought I'd have Tor come on Suncast, to not only dig into his background, but to hear his take on how solar companies can learn from the best marketers in the world and what we should be doing to up our game. In today's episode, Tor and I 
discuss the making of Solar Fred, what is branding and how are solar companies getting it right, what's holding many solar companies back, the failures that have led to Tor's success, what you can learn from a giant solar panda in China, a ton of book recommendations, and other goodies related to marketing best practices. And of course, if you have someone or something that you think should be on Suncast, please shoot me an email, a LinkedIn message, or leave me a voicemail at the website. That's www.mysuncast.com. You can also see all of our back episodes. We're on 48, but that means there are 47 episodes you may not have listened to yet, and they are phenomenal, like the episode with Corey Vaughn or Dan Sugar from our Solar Pioneers series. Or the episodes from our LATAM Founders series. We've done so much good stuff. It's hard to leave it all behind here and keep pressing forward to new episodes, but we must. This episode is brought to you in partnership with SoulRates.com, the fast and free online platform for providing your commercial customers with a credible lease financing proposal. If you have projects over 100000 in value and you would like to see how SoulRates can help you quickly and easily deliver a financing proposal to your customers, please reach out to me for an invitation code to join the platform. All right, thanks again for taking the time to be here with us. Enjoy this week's episode of Suncast with Solar Fred, or Tor Valenza. Well, many of you would immediately recognize my next guest by his moniker, Solar Fred, but I imagine fewer might actually recognize his real name, Tor Valenza. Maybe you went to one of his annual tweet-ups at SPI or InterSolar. Maybe you're one of his nearly 16,000 followers on Twitter. You may have even seen him in his practically trademark unlabeled ball cap at a trade show. But today, we're going to go beyond the public image into how Tor has become one of the leading marketers in the solar industry. Tor joined the marketing agency Impress Labs, which is now called Kite Rocket, back in 2015 as the chief marketing officer of solar. And he's been behind marketing strategies for some of the leading brands in our industry. Some you may know, like Next Tracker, Innovative Solar, Enphase, and many others. We are super duper excited to have you on Suncast today, buddy. And I can't wait to really dig inside your marketing genius. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nico. Great to be here and uh, great to be seeing the growth of this uh, podcast. It's, I've been listening, to, I've been catching up on the other episodes and it's, it's really, really great information. So anybody else who's listening right now, really worth it to go back there, especially the Pioneer series that you're doing right now. I really love it. I appreciate the boost in confidence and definitely couldn't agree more. Some of the content that's getting now lost in history, some 40 plus episodes back is, is worth a listen. And that's why we have leaders like you on the show, Tor, because we want people to get tactical daily information, weekly information that can help them grow their solar business. You know, one of the connections that we have that I wasn't aware of before is actually my now alma mater for grad school, Monterey Institute, is now called the Middlebury Institute of International Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know that you went to Middlebury. That's a great, uh, that's a great connection. Well, tell me a little bit about your foray into solar power. I understand that it has something to do with, or at least involves your time in college at Middlebury, but I'd like to hear when you decided or how you knew that it was time to get into solar and focus your career on that, how that was drawn out of your career story. Well, you know, it, it actually goes back to when I was a kid. I, I really was excited um, by the idea of solar power. I, I don't know where I saw it. I think I was in an art show uh, one of those craft shows, and I saw one of those solar-powered bikers that just kept spinning its its legs, you know, from a little solar cell. Right. And I just thought that was really cool. And I learned that it was on buildings and everything else. And sometime in high school, I decided, you know, I want to be a solar engineer. And so uh, I really just started uh, going towards that until I took calculus and physics, and I realized I was not going to be much of a solar engineer, and I just didn't have those those chops for that. It's it's uh, it's tough stuff, and um, at least for my brain. And so you know, I went to Middlebury um, not for engineering, but to just be a, a general writer, and then I took some film courses, and I segued, believe it or not, into professional film and TV writing, and I wrote for Stargate SG-1 and Dharma and Greg and a couple other things. And that was going well, um, 
but there was a Writers Guild strike uh, around 2000, uh, in the mid-2000s. I forget, you know, exactly when it was now, but um, that started slowing down my career a bit, and I just started thinking about, okay, well, if this does implode and I can't live off my residuals anymore, what, what should I do? And I started thinking again about solar, and I happened to go to an Inconvenient Truth a double feature of an inconvenient truth and who killed the electric car. And it was just eye opening to me. I mean, it just re-inspired all the, all the, the wonder of creating free electricity from the sun. And, uh, but I, but I thought, you know, it's not here. I mean, you know, they're doing a really crappy job marketing it. And so it was kind of the dawn of social media. And that's how I decided to, get a little bit educated. So I, I went to the Solar Living Institute and Solar Energy International, um, took some economic courses hmm. and just really started to, you know, understand the business, read the trades and, um, and then launched, um, a, uh, a blog about, uh, solar and solar marketing eventually. What was that blog called? Um, originally it was Dear Solar Fred. Dear Solar Fred. Um, Dear Solar Fred, it was it was uh, very basic, mm. um, and that got kind of transferred into Solar Power Rocks, um, which is a lead generation right, site, right? Um, yeah, which has really businesses there, right? Yep. We'll yep, get, get into that in a minute, but you touched on uh, what I what I mentioned back in the intro, which is this Solar Fred moniker. Give me a little more insight. What is that, and why do you need a different name? I think Tor is an interesting name that's memorable. Why Solar Fred? So I I think that when I was getting into it and I, and I wanted to be on Twitter and get into the, the business, I knew that if I called myself, I wanted to be solar tour originally, but I know from going to Starbucks and giving my, you know, the person there, the name, my name, they always are going tour. It's what? So they, <laughs> yeah. They never, they never get it because it's such an unusual name in the U S. Yeah. So, I, I needed another name, and um, and I wanted to again from a brand perspective, I wanted to represent the people that I wanted to be serving, which are, were solar installers, uh, residential at that time, um, and so I wanted to look like them, and that's why I started wearing a you know a, a ball cap that you know like they would have on a roof, and uh, Fred came out of very ironically when I was married, my ex-wife and I lived across the street from this guy who wouldn't tell us his name. He was just a really <laughs> private individual. And, you know, he would pass us on the street and he was our neighbor and, yeah. and he just would not say anything. So, you know, when he left his garbage cans off out on the street one day and didn't take him in, I said, you know, I, I was trying to say that guy. And so I just started calling him Fred and that, awesome. that just became the name for anybody that I didn't have any you know, name for. So it was kind of a natural choice for Twitter when I, you know, when I, and I thought about it and I thought it's kind of funny, but people, and people, people remembered it. People got it right away. Oh yeah. And, you know, I was really, again, pretty active and, and there was a, you were part of that early solar tribe on Twitter. And, you know, there weren't a lot of people talking about it back then. And people would, um, in Twitter's Again, it was just Solar Fred back then. The, now Twitter um, shows you as Tor Valenza, but back then it really literally was your, yeah, it was your just screen, your handle. Screen, your yeah. handle. Yeah. Um, so again, people really caught on to that, and they liked that Solar Fred. I think there was a Solar Dave, probably still is a Solar Dave, and a couple of other ones there. But yeah, yeah. They're, all, they're all copycats, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I've struggled and I know I'm sure lots of folks out there struggle with their uh, Twitter handle. You're a Twitter expert. So maybe just a quick like one minute on best practice around choosing a Twitter handle. My I've gone through three and I can't find one that I feel like is super memorable and easy to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the brevity is important. You yeah. don't want a really long Twitter handle, um, ideally without any kind of, uh, you know, uh, dashes or, or, or underscores in there. Um, and I think it should, you know, if, if you, if you have a company, it should reflect that as much as possible because right. obviously that's the thing that you're promoting as close to the but, name as possible. Yeah. 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 Um, if you don't, and if you're just doing it for yourself, um, 
I think it's you need to take some time to again to think about your personal brand, right? And and who you are, who you're trying to reflect, and what you're what you know. It's a combination of you know who you're trying to serve and what you do. Yeah. At the same time, so it's it's not an easy question, especially well, when you're limited by, by, you know, by that many. I think it's ten characters that yeah. that you can actually do a name. Yeah. And, um, or or so, like like me, you could choose one that by brute force you just remind people about. <laughs> So mine's N-I-C-O-M-E-O, which has no connection to the solar industry whatsoever. But it's only seven letters, which is good, brevity. It has my name in it, and uh, and I guess people start to remember it over time. And now it's Instagram, Twitter. That's another, right, is try to get one that can be consistent across multiple platforms? Yeah. I mean, uh, again, ideally, that's why, you know, your brand name is, is if you if you have a company. So, yeah. so I mean, Suncast... Uh, was Suncast taken? Was that yeah, why? so there's there's two things. I can uh, talk about Suncast. There's a very Sorry. popular company here in the U.S. that has uh, that actually has the name Suncast Corporation, and they manufacture you know lawn products like uh, lawn chairs and pool side uh, equipment and and furniture and things like that. And they have uh, Suncast Corp because but there's you know this is another one of those relics of Twitter. There's a girl who has only ever tweeted like five times, who has at Suncast. And she hasn't tweeted in like yeah. six years. I could probably at this point go back to, to Twitter and say, hey, I, I deserve to have this. This is my company brand, et cetera. And they may be able to give it over to me, but I just never did it. Um, and I, I haven't checked on Instagram or anything else because I've had Nico Mayo, which is the way I pronounce it, Nico Mayo. That's the way you'd say it in Spanish. <laughs> well, look, you focus your entire career on marketing in some form or other and writing in particular. And in the solar space, you know, you've clearly become an influencer. I'd love to know what problems uh, you commonly are helping companies address or solve in their marketing approach. Well, I, I think, you know, one of the biggest issues, it was less so in some ways when I first entered the industry, but it's still a problem. And that is differentiation in a commoditized marketplace. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people come to us because um, basically developers are chasing the lowest dollar per watt um, for, for modules or, or other things. Mm -hmm. And um, so people want to know how to stand out. And, you know, when I started on Think Solar, which was my consulting practice before, right joining what what's now kite rocket my motto was be bold for solar stand out and educate and i think that's the way for we as an agency you know are helping our brands our clients right now mm -hmm. because if all things being equal and, and you're about in the same price people want to at least as a manufacturer they, they want the best price they can for for their their modules and that means that you've got to develop some type of brand affinity, some kind of brand loyalty that is going to go beyond the price. And so I think that's that's one of those things that, you know, can be done with website services, that can be done with content marketing, that can be done with, um, again, public relations mm. and thought leadership and all, all these things that I think make people believe in you. I mean, um, I know you, you know, you, you might get back into this later, but, um, you know, in terms of a book that really influenced me uh, back in the day and, and, and originally a, a TED Talk video is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I recommend that so highly to everybody. You really have to understand why you're in business and then communicate that and follow everything from that um, to to convey that to your customers of what your what your service or product is doing for them that is also a reflection of you and your frustration for why you created the company. Yeah. I think those, those origin stories by themselves are, are really important. I love it. Are, are you mostly focused on product vendors like Next Tracker versus uh, service vendors like Innovatus? How, how much of a mix is that for you right now? You know, it really just depends on, on the year and, and what, what comes to us. I, I think, you know, in the, in the B2B space, um, you know, a lot of manufacturers uh, definitely come to us, mm. and we're definitely known for that. Particularly, we is Kite Rocket. Yeah. 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 And um, I think you know the uh, residential. It's tough for a lot of residential marketers to invest in in PR because really what they want is much more. You know, uh, reducing their acquisition costs and 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 lead generation. I mean, that's that's their their biggest 
issue. For for larger ones like Sunrun and and uh, you know I was going to say Solar City, but I guess now Tesla. Yeah. Give us a call. Sure. I mean, uh-huh. uh, I, I I did consult with uh, Solar City when I was a, a consultant um, yeah. for that, but you know that was more around strategy. That wasn't. Um, about execution. Yeah. And, uh, and you did a lot of work with REC prior to the roll-up of REC, right? Yeah, uh, with uh, REC Solar, the um, commercial, commercial install. install. Yeah. yeah. Are, are there any uh, best practices? or th- What was some of the learning that you gleaned from that that perhaps uh, you take into now your clients, especially your B2C clients in, in Kite Rocket? Around, anything around like CNI? Again, I think for CNI... And, and this is this is universal for pretty much every brand, mm. and that is content is king, mm. because if people are subscribing to your feed, they're not going to read every post, they're not going to read everything that you that you write about, but they want help with their businesses, and that is always the key. We can't, you know, some people have the attitude of how can I sell to you? You know, how can I get this? this warehouse empty and, and, right. you know, get you at the lowest price. And, you know, really the attitude should always be, how can I help mm. that when you, when you, when you drive content around that, then it becomes beyond price because you can give uh, a fair market price for, for something that, that may be slightly more expensive or something. But if you provide a unique service along with that, mm that is always going to be a, a huge um, help. So in the case of CNI, if you're also packaging in some kind of financing, again, or PPA or something that, that's unique that there, that's like none other that, that someone else, and again, you're taking care of all of the maintenance and service and all those things. I mean, communicating that and answering those frequently asked questions for these facility managers, that's that's the value that, that you have. And saying, you know, okay, we're not going to interrupt your operations. We're going to do X, Y, and Z in order to um, make this process as smoothly as possible. And you're going to start saving money on your electric bill as we've, you know, you're going to be cutting demand charges, whatever that 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 goal is for that client. Man, I think we could do an entire minisode just on trigger points that you've seen succeed versus not succeed in crafting the pitch to a commercial client. I think that would be a really fun one. Maybe we'll dig into that another time. Yeah. I would love to know if there's something that in particular worked at one of your previous clients, you don't have to name who it was, that you thought was novel and you and you thought, wow, more people should look, should should think about integrating this in their sales approach. I definitely believe in content. And if you want to be against to stand out and educate, you have to have bold ideas. Hmm. You have to go and you have to put your foot in the sand and not just be um, advocating for your company, but in many ways for the entire industry. So I really love it when brands make a statement about something that's going on and help them to to lead the industry in in some shape or form i think if you're not a part of CIA, if you're not a part of calcia if you're in california and all these other associations you really should be yeah these guys really are you know volt solar all these things you should definitely support them they are making your lives and your businesses easier and more successful and they're fighting for you and i know they you know that some people think that there's some again we could have a whole yeah we could I have, a, I have a quick question for you that occurs to me Go. what is one thing someone could do this week with absent becoming a member to support or edify vote solar sia you name it i mean we're right off the heels of spi here uh, by the time this publishes what's one thing that somebody could do from a that like we'll just put it out there see if someone does it what's one unique idea someone could take that would support the cause and would also allow them to create this sort of tertiary benefit of of uh, authority and, and content right well again the the first and 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 the best thing to do is become a member and and they have different membership levels so do that mm-hmm. secondly um you know and investigate that and 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 just you know, get on the phone and see you can work work something out that that's you know correct Just your business. do it. <laughs> Just do that. Well, it's true. Yeah. But they also need, you know, again to get their word out. So yeah. you know, monitor their social feeds. Yeah. And RT uh, retweet their their stuff on right, Twitter. Right. Share it on 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 Facebook. 
any other accounts like that and, and get their messages out. I think you can also, again, if you've got a blog and if you don't, shame on you because, again, it's <laughs> such an important way to get these out in a newsletter. All these content marketing pieces yeah. that work together, you should, again, write a blog post about the trade case and supporting Sia's efforts with that. Our most recent guest, Tony Clifford, did exactly that, right? And, yeah. and he obviously represents, as the chief development officer, Standard Solar, but he's getting a lot of press um, because he put a three-piece article together, I think, on Solar Power World online about yeah. the trade case. Yeah, I, you know, take a position, be thoughtful about it. Yeah. You you know, you you can't please everybody. I know, I mean, you've been... Well, polarizing cells. You don't have to please everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, there's some people that are all buy American and there's some people that are all, we've got to get the lowest price That's right. that we can for, for installation so that we create more installation jobs. And you do work with executives helping them craft this content around their authority and their branding, right? I mean, you guys almost sort of hand in glove work behind some of your clients to help them with their content marketing. What seems to be working and in particular, what channels as well? Well, again, yeah, I, I think it always has to come from the company and some, you know, we always recommend. Well, so before you even jump into that, it sounds to me like a common misconception then is that they can hire you and you'll create it for them magically without knowing anything no, about it, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, we have to know what's in their head. We yeah. have to be reflecting their goals. You know, often we'll always do pretty much all always do some type of interview with the executive that we may be ghostwriting for. And, you know, oftentimes they're good writers themselves. They just don't have the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the, the wonderful thing is that they could be just having this 15, 20 minute, half hour conversation with us. And really their voice is writing the blog post for us. We just right. shape it into a beginning, middle and end Precisely. that has a point and some type of call to action that's reflective of the company, but also of the, the goal that they have for that, that blog. And mm -hmm. this is something that I, I, I really want to stress to everybody. Whatever you do, have a goal for that tactic. You, you, you really need to, if you're going to write a blog post, if you're going to tweet something, if you're going to do anything, what is the result that you want out of that um, action. Because if you're not specific, if you're just shotgunning, then you just don't want to write a blog post about anything. You want to write a blog post about the cost of solar because you want to show that you have value um, for your product or, or, or service and how costs are coming down. And again, to, to put you as an authority as a, as a, in, your, in your field as, as a product. So Tor, let's roll into the Hot or not. I'm going to call this the hot or not marketing edition. And of course, this is where I'll name a specific topic. You can spend a minute or so uh, on whether you think it's hot or not and why. And we'll start with buying leads, lead generation companies in the in, in the solar industry. Hot or not? Uh, not. Um, mm, a contrarian. Well, it's, it's not that it's – okay, I, I guess – lukewarm because it depends on the mm -hmm. leads that you're buying and how you're buying them. You really need to find out where these leads are coming from. If people are responding to the lead generator because they're offering a uh, free solar system, you know, in a contest or they're offering some kind of free trip and everything. And so they're just signing up for something or they're even being generated because um, they just bought an air conditioner and again, they're got on, on some kind of list. You have to vet these leads because what you're paying for um, ultimately is someone who may not be that all that interested in uh, a solar. So, so how they vet these leads, I mean, so it, it's the quality. Now, they may do a good job of, so I mean, and just in terms of buying an email list, that's what I mean about that. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, in terms of a, you know, buying leads from a lead generator. Right. How many people are they also selling, uh, companies are they selling that lead to? That's right. another thing that you have to evaluate. And what level of qualification they're achieving. Exactly. Ask those questions. Now, some of them do a really good job of vetting. They're not, you know, renters. I mean, they, they do all the, the, the good stuff. And some might even look, check them out on a satellite to see if, you know, how, how you know, viable they are. 
Um, right. And the the more service that you get for that lead, the more expensive the more those, are, yeah, those are going to be. To me, I would only buy exclusives um, instead, ah. of, uh, instead of ones that are being sold because I, I know those are more expensive. But um, if they can, you know, if you can trust them that they're not selling this lead to anybody else or that you've got it exclusively and it's in your in your hood and everything mm. that you're going after, then, then do that. The, the second problem that often happens is that people don't respond they, the lead is generated. They said, you know, these things can be very automated. So if they've clicked off all the thing and, and got vetted, that person, you'll, you'll get that lead from the lead generator. And then you may sit on it for a few days. Wrong. Don't Big mistake. do that. If they already <laughs> said that, that, you know, if this person has already filled out this form, you know, contact them that day or the next day at the latest. Uh, right. You know, these things are hot. That's when these people are interested. Hopefully, as long as this lead generator didn't, you know, that's a good question to ask them. You know, what's the turnaround time from the time that they, you know, filled out that form on the landing page and um, and that you deliver it to me? And and some yeah. say, it, you know, some some are automated, so it can be instantly. But again, I would like to know as a marketer, what are you saying? What what was on that landing page? What, what, what's the messaging that you're giving uh -huh. to these people so that, you know, you can have a conversation about why they are interested in, in solar. So, um, you know, some will give that to you. They, they generate it in different, different ways, but that's what, that's what I would do. Yeah. Buying leads a slippery slope. Well, let's go to my next topic, which is very similar, uh, for how to not telemarketing. Oh, definitely not. If you're talking about outbound <laughs> telemarketing, spamming, I just had this long conversation with another solar friend about this and the telemarketers of the solar world are the sleaziest. There are other lead generators essentially, but if you subscribe to that and you get a lot of them through telemarketing and this service is, is doing this for you, um, your Yelp reviews and probably other reviews sites are going to be, but Yelp, I know there's Yelp is controversial. Believe me. I know they have really bad, their, their own marketing practices are bad, but in terms of revealing the marketing tactics of, of solar installers, that I think is very accurate. And so your one star, two star rating is, 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 Dude, because these guys, these telemarketers don't let up. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, let's keep on, on the, along the theme here of perhaps online advertising or online online marketing in general. What about the notion for Hot or Not of Facebook and or LinkedIn ad spending? Lukewarm. Mm. I think that, you know, those are can be very expensive um, in terms of a, a cost per click. And they have to be creative enough that people are going to actually click on them. I, I like that it's very targeted. Um, they've got, you know, especially on, on Facebook, lookalike audiences are really great. Right, very um, good. But it really depends on your messaging. It really depends on the images and the video and what your call to action is. All these things are really variable. So I... I, it, I it, it can get complicated. Do you see solar companies doing this well right now? Um, it's hard to say because, uh, you know, I only know what comes up in my feed... Um, yeah. see a lot of bad ones in the sense of ethic being ethical in certain terms of saying there's a new f program, um, you know, that's going to give you 50% off and, or, or zero down or something like that. Right. They're, they're couching it as a federal program or a state level program. And I hate that, that, that really just bugs the, the crap out of me because it just gives the entire industry a bad name. I don't know whether those things are effective or not. Um, I always just click those off because I don't want to see those anymore. And I, I want yeah. them to be marked as being offensive or, or whatever on, on Facebook and everything else. LinkedIn, this is something where, you know, you have a specific person on your team or a service like we have. Like I know the general overview of these things, but the, the people on our team really can get into, you know, the, the things on LinkedIn that are more effective than not. And mm. LinkedIn is behind the times. In, in terms of its sophistication that Facebook has. But there's one thing that everybody should have on their websites, 
and that is called a pixel. Um, it's something in the background, but it's it's a it's a cookie that's left on your the person who visits your website will get a cookie embedded in their browser so that Facebook knows to target them later and LinkedIn can target them later because they know you're they're interested in your website because and your service because they've already, you've already visited it. So that's, mm. that's a really wonderful thing that is kind of easy to do. And you can build a very targeted audience on that and as well as upload um, all, all of your leads that you already have that are hopefully organic leads uh, on Facebook and, and LinkedIn. And again, they can be more targeted that way. I love this. this is one of, my, one of the reasons why I look at you as one of the industry experts. I know nothing about pixels. Uh, I thought a pixel was specific to Facebook, but you're telling me it's something for a website. Well, that's for another a different well, discussion, a different time. And certainly folks can uh, reach out to you directly to learn more about how pixels work and affect. I completely agree with you that uh, there are a lot of solar companies wasting money on ad spend on LinkedIn and Facebook. But I personally believe that LinkedIn is a goldmine. Uh, in the especially in the B2B space, and I consider solar commercial solar B2B, and I consider obviously if you're a vendor in the solar industry, it's B2B, uh, and I find that far too few people have any concept of how to mine LinkedIn or use LinkedIn other than just their professional resume. Yeah. yeah so maybe we'll maybe you and I will collaborate on using LinkedIn in the solar space to grow your business. That'd be a fun uh, yeah follow on. Well, let's go to the next topic in hot or not U.S. commercial and industrial or CNI as we call it. Again, I got to say it, it's it's lukewarm in the sense that I think that financing is still an issue. Uh, you're, are you talking about from a marketing perspective, or are you talking about from as an as, from an industry perspective? Is it growing? Yeah, I think. Well, everybody sees that it's growing, and uh-huh. I think that you know a lot. Of, I, I love what's again another reason why to support uh, CIA and the Solar Foundation. Um, they have their top brands that are installing. Solar means right. business. I think that's what it's called. Solar means business mm-hmm. report of all the brands that are going solar. And I think that, you know, the more these brands get recognized as becoming more sustainable, the more that there'll be interest generated about um, solar for, for the for the CNI space and, and people doing that. Now of course I know solars are solar solars are calling up, you know, these companies mega brands all the time and, and seeing if they want to go solar. But for the smaller businesses, you know, the, that just want to do it on their one place and their headquarters or their factory and things like that, the financing can be still an, an issue from from mm. my understanding um, in terms of qualifying them and just making it pencil out. But with storage now, there's, you know, the option to reduce demand charges which is, is a huge thing for a lot of companies. And so, you know, that that might be, you know, penciling out really well as storage prices continue to come down and, and making the package together. So. so what about SaaS or software as a service for solar businesses, hot or not? I'd say hot. There are a lot of them out there right now. It seems to me like it's hot and frothy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't know whether they're going to last or not because a lot of them are startups. But I think that things like Salesforce just doesn't work for everybody, and it mm-hmm. can be customizable. But man, I've heard so many you know horror stories of doing that type of you know integration and customization. And so, if there's a platform that's working for you that can do design um, and proposals and all these other things and one thing and two, software as a service is something that you use to make your business life easier and to That's right. make your life more efficient. The other problem that I find with it is that if the company does not have support staff to help indoctrinate you to that software and you do not use it as effectively as, so I mean, another software services like MailChimp and, and HubSpot and right, right. all these other e-newsletter marketing services. And they're very, very powerful tools. But if you're not going to really make the full use out of them with a marketing agency or with a staff that can build that content or that somebody on your staff is not learning all that it can do and use. Uh, and, and, you know, like HubSpot itself has, you know, kind of a school for that. It's a training thing. It's not right. worth the money. It is not worth the money because you're just, 
you're you're using a, t- a tenth of what what it can do for you. So that's right. Um, and, and I would use your you know your marketing budget instead of your Google AdWords account, which again is not something that I'm I'm high on. Um, I would put more of that money into you know a robust content marketing program that that would again be having people you're paying for people to build content instead of buying ads that people may or may not click on and again is a waste of money because they're just going to a landing page that's not maybe not really what they're looking for so very frustrating yeah i appreciate your insight on that and it's something that my clients often talk about i'm amazed how many of my clients on i mean not not with suncast but my my personal consulting business how many don't actually have a crm a customer relationship management software uh, or aren't leveraging a lot of the software that you and I are familiar with in this space. It's one of the things that I'm continually amazed by how uh, just in general conversation, I'm able to recommend software that a client should be using or could be implementing uh, or redirect, as you just said, like a part of their budget away from one thing towards another. And that's the value of having a, a good third party, I guess, that they can give you, they can give you insight and counsel or having someone, as you mentioned, really full time on staff that you trust to make good decisions around your marketing strategy. And part of that marketing strategy, most people don't like to admit, is deciding what tools you can buy or, or rent <laughs> or subscribe to to yeah. give your team leverage and to help your help your sales team and your marketing team and even your ops team uh, get time back, which is the most important aspect. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the volume problem is really hard for, for larger companies. I mean, they just need so... Mm-hmm. That's why they do have to buy, you know, buy leads and, and sometimes buy right. lists. And, and I get that. And at the same time, maybe you shouldn't be scaling as fast as you want to be scaling. And you should be relying more on your referrals. Uh, I think, you know, a referral program is so, and, and that's, again, where software comes in. Because you can have that CRM to be doing multiple touch points with your your current, hopefully happy customers. If you have a thoughtful uh, email marketing strategy built around your customer relationship management program, built into your CRM using using Drip or incorporating Marketo or some of the sort of higher cost yeah. uh, tools. Man, you could you could appear to be uh, a marketing ninja when <laughs> when you're really automating a lot of stuff. I completely agree. H- how and why are you guys at Kite Rock? I mean, you guys focus on really larger clients. How and why are you typically brought into a client? Um. Again, it, it's usually because they they want to accomplish some goal. Sometimes, some. I mean, it's funny. Like you know, can you can you guys just help us write a write a press release? You know, and you know, send uh-huh. it out to the trades. And we go, okay, that is a, a function, but it doesn't start with why. You know, again, we yeah. we want to know what is your goal, so that that yeah. when we write that press release, we have that. So some people want to introduce a new product, um, again, because and because they just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And so we can create yeah. a program for that. But it really does, again, start with why with, with that as well. So Yeah. Where, where are your clients typically on their growth curve? I mean, are they, they're not startups usually. Are they startups that have no. investment? Are they startups that have pretty significant teams? Are they pretty huge companies? We, do you have we, across we've done, the board? We have them across the board. We've got startups. We've got ones that are in development um, I mean, like some of them, you know, again, they want to attract investors. So they want to, you know, show what, what they've accomplished and the latest mm-hmm. test results or, you know, that they're introducing something. Um, and they, they really want to uh, differ, you know, say that, hey, we've got something very new. I mean, that's the startup phase. Mm-hmm. The other ones, again, are, I think, the commoditization factor of solar is is still acute right now and so people want yeah. to build a customer relationship a brand relationship let me let me talk to you briefly about brand yeah tell me all about it you know when people think of a brand they just think about a logo or they think about a slogan i mean you know you know just those are all reflections of the brand brand is a feeling brand is that affinity that you get with a uh, you know uh, an entity? So you you can't love you know Apple, but people definitely have a brand relationship, and that's that's what marketers really can do is is 
build that brand relationship so that there's customer loyalty and people will talk about you and people will buy again from you. That's the most important thing that I think we can do in a commoditized market is to help really define the company and the people working for that company in some cases and to make you have a good feeling about these guys take care of me and my business and they care about me. And I know this because of that great information they gave me through um, that that newsletter or that blog that I wrote mm. or um, because of that article that, that I read about them and how they helped this company to you know, accomplish something. What do you think is holding most of these installers back from being able to to scale? Or And let's not broadly define scale. Let's call scale like whatever the next logical step is in their progression. Maybe it's from one to five customers a month on the resi side, or maybe it's from, you know, a hundred thousand in revenue as a commercial installer a month to, you know, a million or, or whatever. Like, what do you think is holding these installers back from scale? I think it's a, a lot of it is uh, efficiency. I mm-hmm. think that when, I mean, this is, you know, something that, uh, you know, if you if you're not already talking to Pam Cargill, you should. Yep, she's a guest on the show for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's more of a, of a, of a Pam question, but uh, but I do feel like from a marketing perspective as well, it's all it's still about organization and efficiency and creating that budget and sticking to that budget. If if you mm. aren't if you're re- re- resenting every dollar that you spend on marketing, then don't do it. But uh, you know, when we have clients, they're in a position that they have decided they're going to spend X amount of money for marketing. And then they have to trust us that we're going to deliver those results after we've done our due diligence to find out what their goals are. And so then we can map out what we're going to do for them. Um, and I think, again, I think that marketing is unfortunately the, the, the bad stepchild, uh, of, yeah. of uh, startup companies because they're spending money uh, on all these other things and they feel like, oh, people will just come to us. And yeah. not the case. You know, I think there's something else too, and this is not, not spoken about a lot. And I don't think it's, I think it's a subtle difference. And I'd love to hear your thought on it. I think that one of the things, especially in the early days, let's talk like two to 10 employees and maybe two of those employees are founders. Mm. One of the things that keeps companies from scaling is a complete and utter uh, disregard for and lack of understanding on how to delegate. Yeah. Right. And and when they delegate, not the inability to actually delegate with responsibility, meaning you hand with an open hand a product to someone else and ask them to take it across the finish yep. line. Yep. Yeah. I, I I would agree with that. I, I think again, it d- depends on who is that 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 CEO. Right. And how capable he is or she is as well. There's mm-hmm. some some are so overly capable and so controlling that they just take everything. Yeah, they're in the minutia every day, all day, on ten different aspects of how the company's going. And they're doing training, and that's the other thing. So again, you're right. going to pay less for a less experienced employee, but if you hire that expert, then you may get more value and grow faster. Mm. because yep, your leverage yeah your leverage on those dollars may in fact be a 10x versus a 2x yeah, yeah. oh that's a really interesting insight what failure have you learned the most from how does it inform how you work with clients or, or how you've built your own sort of approach failure that i've learned from i think there there is an aspect of from um so this 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 company isn't in, in business right now so i i can talk to him, but I, I represented a, uh, a solar thermal company, free hot water mm, back right. in the day. Um, that's how I met you. That's how I first 2010. Yeah. They were one of my first consulting clients and solar thermal was just uh, my, 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 my lesson from that. And we put a lot of effort into building that. And I think we, we did build that brand, but it didn't, generate business for them enough to stay in business. And I think part of that is an outside market pressure thing. So, I mean, for, for the Cineva trade case and things like that, there are just all of these um, things that you can't beat yourself up for that, that are outside of your, you, you can't do anything about. And solar thermal is just not 
hot. It's still not hot, um, really, compared to PV. This was, you know, so I had to walk away, and eventually they did go out of business. But um, it, it was a right. tough it was tough because um, I knew those guys really well. What I hear you saying is understanding that what things are outside of your control that are affecting your business and B, learning when to cut yep. bait. Yeah. When you got to, mm. when you do have to take that loss and, and walk away and not yeah. keep throwing effort. As Seth Godin said, might say, knowing when to stop digging. If you're digging a hole, know when to stop digging. Yeah. Or, as uh, I like another one version of that in some ways, but I guess it's slightly unrelated, but uh, Mark Twain said, when you're going through hell, keep going. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, any aha moments along the way that have caused a fundamental shift in scale or scope of the way you do business or approach marketing? Honestly, the, you know, the uh, Seth Godin, start with why, those two main I, I I feel like when I read when I started really reading and broadening my marketing perspective that was outside of the industry. And I think that's the problem. You know, Unthink Solar was all about unthinking your marketing practices. And so when I started um first of all, you always have to, you know, see what's going on. When when we have a new client, we don't want to throw out anything that is working. So we really want to evaluate what they're doing right now and then how to to change things. But I think in general, we as an industry are still not bold enough. And so one of the things that I did to build my own business was to start blogging and to start the initiative to get solar back on the White House after Obama was elected. Okay. And uh, Sanjevity, you know, basically took with that idea and, and ran with it and you know, eventually the pressure from all of us, I think, definitely helped them get it back on there. So that was great. And I think, you know, again, the, the lesson there, the aha moment is that, you know, we got to do the day to day, but like every, and I'm, I'm going to be writing a, a blog post about this. So um, by the time this is published, mm. it'll be out. But, um, awesome, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the latest thing that, got international attention in the solar world was a panda-shaped solar project right. in China. International, the Washington Post, I mean, all of these these amazing publicity about a kind of a little guerrilla marketing thing. And um, I guess I should promote, you know, if you're a residential installer, read my book, uh, Solar Fred's Guide to Guerrilla Marketing. Um, that's available on Amazon as well. But um, we don't do enough of that. You've got to do your day to day, but, but once a year, do something big, do something that is fun and that will get attention. And that is aligned with mm. your goals. Um, that, that, that was my aha moment because, you know, right after I did that for myself in terms of, you know, again, to start an initiative. Yeah. I'm think solar, you know, I got really big clients off of that. So it was something to do. And I think the, the same kind of leadership, we, we do need, we all need to be individual leaders. And just yeah. the, I just hate to, to say it, I mean, the, the, the day-to-day, we have to transition our entire energy infrastructure into renewable energy. Um, and yeah. we're not doing it uh, fast enough. Uh, I, I know we got to all be in business, but we have to be advocates as well as business people. Um, and I don't see enough of that, just a little bit uh, in, in yeah. everybody's businesses all, all the time. So, For sure. You know, one of the things that you do well is, as you mentioned, you know, putting yourself out there on Think Solar, which was your early blog, create a persona as a journalist for you in the industry. The way that I actually learned, it wasn't through uh, Free Hot Water, but the way I actually learned about you is when I was doing research on Trina Solar, trying to decide if I wanted right. to actually take a job offer from them. And I've told you this. You did a huge uh, write-up because they sent you on a journalist trade trip yeah. to see their factory. You know, I don't, I'm don't. i assuming that uh, Trina probably reached out to you as one of the industry journalists. I mean, this is 2010, mm. so it was really early on. And you were able to laud in a public way the advanced approach that Trina has. I think it was brilliant marketing from Trina to have journalists go visit the factory and you know the 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 cream of the crop in that in that day and age folks like yourself were writing about their experience. So there's a lot that companies can learn today 7 years on from how companies like Trina 
uh, and even Sun Edison back in the day were marketing themselves like nothing is new. Go back, look at the ways that these companies were creating buzz without writing their own stories, without writing press releases about an automated, yeah. you know, Trina's new sort of automated uh, assembly lines, if you will. Tor, what has you most excited right now for the solar market in the U.S.? What's next? What are you writing about? So a couple of things. I, I straddle these two, as, as you were just mentioning, these two areas. So I'm a strategy guy for Kite Rocket, and I, I do some consulting on the side now, and I also am this quasi-journalist blogger. Uh, I guess you know the, the, the common term for it would be thought leader, because um, whether or not you work with me or with Kite Rocket, I feel it's my mission to help the entire industry with, with some some general thoughts, and hopefully that inspires you. Um, if it comes, if it inspires you to, to work with me, that's great. But if it doesn't, I don't care because we need to transition our energy infrastructure, as I was just saying, to uh, renewable energy. So, you know, one of my recent posts is on, on PV Magazine, and it's also cross-posted on KiteRocket.com Kite and on my LinkedIn page, is that we are losing the opportunity right now as uh, as as renewable energy companies to support congressional leaders that have introduced 100% by 2050 bill into Congress, so it just didn't get any press and anything else. And so uh, what I've called for in this latest post is because I, I think 100% is been being talked about right now, and it doesn't. We don't have to have all the answers right now. But, but I do believe that companies and individuals and trade organizations should be supporting this notion and talking to their congressional leaders about mm-hmm. putting this plan in, state now, in, in place. I know states are trying to do this individually, um, but they need to hear from you. Every business right now is a should be an advocacy organization in the renewable energy space. And so... All you need to do within your own team is to just give them the name of your congressional leader and say, I work at so-and-so space, and I am for 100% renewable energy for this bill. And the more they get these, if, if it's a canned one, in other words, if you do these massive ones that you know people read, uh, don't do that. Just It only takes two or three mm-hmm. sentences and an email to your congressman and ask them where they stand on bill whatever – whatever that is. And it's mentioned in my blog post. It's, it's linked to it. Perfect. And we'll link to it. We'll link to it as well on, on my blog post and yeah. LinkedIn post. Yeah. These. Excellent. Again, as a marketing tactic as well, it's great to be an advocacy leader. So again, the more that you're part of these organizations and, and, and support them, the more that you're seen as a good person within the industry that's supporting everyone and not just your own business. So uh, one other article that I just recently wrote is um, about how some solar companies are just calling themselves energy companies. And that's a pet peeve of mine because (laughs) you want to – we have – again, I was talking about brand earlier in the podcast. Um, We, as an industry, have a great brand, and we shouldn't hide it. Mm. When you bring up solar energy company, that that brings up in someone's mind – clean energy, all the, all the attributes right. that go with solar. When you just call yourselves an energy company, that's the tactic that oil and gas companies are using to hide that the fact that they're dirty energy companies. So either in your logo or something like uh, if you call yourself Varengo Energy or whatever you're, you're, you're calling yourself, then at least in the, in the sub, sub tagline or logo, you said a solar energy company or a something with the word solar in it to to mention that so read that there's some good tactics in there as well for sure we'll certainly link to that i think one one thing i see is folks who are also dabbling in energy efficiency or lighting or or other things and so they have this reticence to only sort of pigeonhole themselves into solar but i completely agree with you that hiding behind the energy tag broadly speaking tends to unfairly attribute uh, connect your company really to nothing uh, instead of something that invokes invokes clean energy and yeah. invokes the idea of what you're trying to do as the major core component of your business. Hey Tor, you are as I've mentioned, you know, an influencer on Twitter, but where else do you stay informed day to day about what's happening in the solar industry? Really, 
I, I just read through the trades. I mean, that's, that's the best way for me to do it. And, um, and the energy reporters that are outside the trades, like at Fox, and, and I think the Post mm-hmm. does a great job. Uh, the New York Times does a, a, a good job, although I think sometimes they're you know just following the trades, and so we're seeing repeat information. But sometimes it's like Vox is great, great explainer information. So I love that. Right. Um, and Utility Dive, I guess, is a is a trade pub. But that's uh, Utility Dive is another one that I, t- I commonly go to. I love Utility Dive. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Start with Why by Simon Sinek. What other books do you recommend the most? So anything by Seth Godin. I think is is huge. Mm-hmm. Any anyone in particular that stands out for you? Yeah, Purple Cow, definitely. That start with that one. That that started my whole un, unthinking of regular marketing, and again with the the beginnings Completely of social agree. social media and standing mm-hmm. out and educating. Um, so I, I loved uh, that one. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's a book called Blink, of course, and The Tipping Point by Malcolm right. Gladwell mm-hmm. are, are great. Um, predictably irrational is about behavioral economics and there's a lot of key takeaways in there for, I think, uh, you know, all, all solar installers, but, but also for residential installers. So I, I definitely recommend that people read that as well. It's a really easy to read book and and terrific. What's another one I, I recently read because it's, you know, as a marketer, you get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I read something, uh, I forget who the author is right now, but it's it's called The Grid. And it's it's about the history of the grid and where it is now. And if you're, you know, ever wanted to see, and it's not just solar, so it's, it's definitely about, you know, the uh, how we created the electric grid that we know today here in the U.S., yeah. And all of its problems. It was a really interesting read written by a university professor, uh, a woman. And I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name right now, but uh, that's quite all right. We'll we'll link to it in the yeah. uh, in the blog in the blog article that I'll write later. Tor, what one thing do you do consistently that yields the greatest impact or results in your professional life, or maybe in your personal life? Right. I mean, I, yeah. I think um, I have a habit of journaling um, in the morning, like free writing. And that is something that kind of clears your mind and you talk about what's coming up for the day and it just gets it all out on paper and, and you don't have to, I don't have to edit it. I don't have to do anything. It's, it's sort of a meditation, but it's a really good way to get focused and get your, you know, anything that's bottled up in there out. And then you read it, and then you can either let it go or you can act on it and, and make a plan. And, you know, when I do that and I get on that roll, you know, all the ideas, the brainstorming, you're brainstorming with yourself, and it all just flows right. out of you. And then you can, you know, act on some of those things that day or, or, or whatever. But um, the more you can do that, uh, I, I wrote entire scripts when I was a film and TV writer that way. And, uh, you know, you just... You, you start with that, and so before every scene, you, you just you, you let it out. And personal stuff can come in there, but you don't have to pay yeah. attention to that. So I, That's what an editor's for. Yeah, so I'll, I'll add to my reading list, writing down the bones. Oh, I just heard recently somebody re- recommended this. Yeah, so that, that's uh, it's, uh, all about free, free writing. And um, it, it's from a, a Buddhist Taoist perspective. It's, again, a mm-hmm. meditative thing. But it, it, it helps with business and uh, I think your personal life as well. I love it. Well, Tor, you've been a wealth of information. I'm sure a lot of folks are going to want to reach out to you. Uh, where can people find you? LinkedIn, Twitter? Do you have a website? Yeah, definitely go through. Twitter's at SolarFred, right? Twitter is at SolarFred. Tor Valenza on LinkedIn at uh, Kite Rocket. What's your email for Kite Rocket? It's first letter T. As in Thomas, uh-huh. and then Valenza at KiteRocket.com. Got it. And do you have uh, a website that's yours only? Well, Unthink Solar is still up there, and that's uh-huh. pretty much the representation for that right now, but that may be changing as things develop. But yeah. I love it. even the name Unthink Solar. I think it's memorable. Well, let's end today, as always, with a bold prediction. Tor, what one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball, my friend? I am not a wonk, so take this for what it is. I haven't done the research for it, 
but I feel like storage is going to disrupt even faster than people expect. And maybe that's actually probably a, a common prediction, but I do feel like it's going to scale with the speed that solar panels did. And, and you and I have seen that. And we all, and, and solar just totally blew out the predictions. And there's going to be different types of storage technologies that's coming out. And there's just a lot of innovation. I, I know just because we've consulted with many stealth companies that there's a lot of things yeah. that, that are coming down the pike, not only in storage, yeah. but in other ways that's going to make scaling up renewable energy just faster and better and, and more cost effective. So I think that uh, that's why I'm so, you know, read my 100% blog, 100% by 2050 blog. If we can cut that down 100% by 2030 or 2040, great. <laughs> I'd love to do it too. I love it. Well, I will most certainly be following, as we all will, the disrupting reductions in cost curve for storage here. And uh, Tor, you're an absolute wealth of information. Hopefully we can have you back on the show to talk more about specific tactical marketing strategies in the future. I'd love that. Thanks for the great podcast interview, Nico. It's uh, great having a great conversation, intelligent conversation with you. Couldn't agree more, my friend. Thanks for coming on the show. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the ax a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.